Amen. Can we say thank you to the worship team this morning? And I don't know about you, but I, I am so grateful for the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Covers me, the grace of God. How, how beautiful is that? And uh, well, it's so good to be with you this morning, Mountain Park Church. And uh, um, you all look good. Come on. Come on. It's, it's an honor to be here this morning, my family and I, and to be nominated as... Uh, the, the uh, candidate for your senior pastor position. And, um, you know, uh, I want to thank the Board of Servant Leaders and the Pastoral Search Committee. Um, we've been on a journey for close to seven months. And uh, so it's been quite a journey of getting to know each other. But I want to let you know as a church that they have represented you with excellence. And as I've gotten to know them, I've kind of gotten to know you and uh, so it is an honor to be here. And uh, someone asked me the other day, said, uh, why, why, why you? Why would you want to come and lead Mountain Park Church? I said, well, it's the best looking church that I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, am I right? Am I wrong? Or... <laughs> come on, <laughs> turn to the person next to you and say, man, he's talking about you. <laughs> but uh, it, is, it is an honor. And uh, I want to and make sure to invite you to come out after service. I'd love to shake your hand, my, my wife and I. And, and my, my five-year-old might be there, she might not be, who knows, she's on her own agenda, what a five-year-old does. Uh, but we just want to say hi and, and shake your hand and, and just, you know, give you a hug if you want to give a hug. And, and we're huggers, it's okay. And uh, so we'd, we'd love to do that, uh, get to meet your family, get to meet you. Um, to, tonight's in vision, and uh, I really would love for you to come out. Maybe this is one Sunday night. We'll just sacrifice it, and the Lord will bless you. I'll, I'll pray for that. But we want you to come out. The board of servant leaders is the pastoral search team myself. We're going to share how we got to this place. And there's been a process, a thorough process in place, and I want you to hear about it. And I'm going to get to share a little bit, and then we're going to take questions. And uh, so we would love for you to come out and be a part of that. It's kind of like a family time. And, uh, and today, though, I'm going to ask you to show me grace uh, because I want to shake as many hands as I can. So I'm kind of like going to probably spend 30 seconds with you and move to the next. I'm not being rude, but I want to say hi to everybody. And then tonight, I will stay as long as what I have to to make sure that I answer your question and that you walk away saying, okay, now I can go and pray about this crazy speaking guy. And uh, really see, because my desire is yours is, is we want the will of God. That's the most important thing. We, we want the will of God. And, and so we're praying for you as much as uh, you're praying for us. Well, can we just pray before we get into the word? You know, uh, I've preached many times. I've never been nervous. This is the first Sunday I'm nervous. It's kind of like, you know when you get nervous for an exam where like people are grading you? I said, Lord, I kind of feel like I'm going to get graded. <laughs> so let's pray. God, we love you. We love you. It's so good to be in your house today, Lord. Uh, so good to worship you. God, those who are joining online, we thank you that they're part of, of us this morning, whatever city, state they're in. God, we love those watching online today. We pray today that you'd speak to us, God. Not the words of a man, but Lord, your words. God, if there's one thing today that we need to catch, one thing that you want to speak to us, that we need to open our hearts to, our minds to, God, may we see it, may we grab onto it with everything that we have. Help us to lean in today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And a faithful church said, amen. amen. Well, let me start this morning with a question. Um, have you ever owned a dumb phone? Now, I'm not talking about the time where you got mad at Siri 
on the freeway and wanted to throw your phone out the window because of the wrong directions. I'm talking about a dumb phone. Let me answer the question. You've all owned a dumb phone. In fact, let me show you a picture of a dumb phone. Ah. So why is that a dumb phone? Because it doesn't have smart technology. In fact, I read an article this week from the BBC. There's a trend happening in the UK where people are buying dumb phones. A lot of young millennials are switching from the smartphone to the dumb phone because they spend too much time on their phones. You know, here in America, the average person spends three hours a day on their smartphone. See, coming out of COVID and being on lockdown and being on the internet all the time, people have fatigue. People have been lost and people are hungering for community. So I was reading this article in the UK about how people are, are ditching those phones. They have these dumb phones and all you can do is call and text and they're looking for community. They're seeking for community. In fact, I, I saw this photo of a telephone and some of you might remember these phones uh, and there was a great quote. Can we put that up really quick? When the phone was tied with the wire, humans were free. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> now, some of you teenagers, teenagers are looking at me saying, the phone was wired? <laughs> what do you mean the phone was wired? <laughs> yep, the phone used to be mounted to a wall and <laughs> you had to wait for it. It didn't go everywhere with you. <laughs> and so, but isn't that so true that we were a lot freer? You know, we... Continuing our series today, the LOA Love One Another series, and today we're going to talk about be together, be together, because I believe that humanity right now has gone through a pandemic and, and there's been so much fear and, and isolation that the reality is so many people have lost because they don't have community, they don't have friends, they don't have people walking with them, they don't have the be together people in their lives. We're going to look today at page 81 of your journal, and the passage that we're going to dive in today is found in Hebrews chapter 10. Now, as I studied this passage and kind of wrestled with it, you know, I immediately thought of so many topics and ideas for be together. But today, I want to focus in on three of them, three of them that I believe matter to God and three of them that should matter to us. So let's jump today into the word in Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to start at verse 19. I know in your journal it starts at verse 23. But I believe 19 to 22 sets up our key thought in our journal. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. These three verses right here are speaking about Jesus. We just sang in our time of, of praise and worship, we sang about, I love you, Jesus. But this verse here begins to, to talk to us about what Jesus has done for us. And these three things that stand out in these three verses. Number one, that Jesus is our righteousness. Come on, you should clap for that. Jesus is your righteousness. 
when you stand before God or come to God, it's not based on your performance or your works, my friend. It's based on what Jesus did for you. We're getting ready for Easter where we're going to celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he was willing to go to the cross to, to pay the price or the penalty for your sin and my sin and the sin of humanity. Where he said that anybody who believes in me should not perish but have eternal life. And, and he rose on the third day that we could have new life, that we could be the righteousness of God. You see, I am righteous before God, not because of anything I did. I could never earn it, and I don't deserve it. It was the grace. We just sang about the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, that God, in fact, we didn't choose him. He chose us. And Jesus made us righteous. He restored us to right standing with the Father. The second thing we see in this passage we just read is that Jesus restores us to relationship. In the, in the tabernacle and the temple, if you'll go study in the Bible, uh, there was a curtain or a veil that separated the most holy place where the presence of God would, would be uh, from the holy place. The most holy place from the holy place. There was a curtain and only the priest could go into the presence of God for your sake. But the Bible says in Mark chapter 15 that as Jesus died and breathed his last breath, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. It says in Mark 15, what is that symbolizing? God tore it saying no more will it just be a priest coming to my presence. Everybody is welcome to come into my presence through faith in my son, Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said in John 14, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father. No one goes, I am now the veil. I am the way for you to come into the presence of Almighty God. Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus has restored us to relationship with a heavenly Father who the scripture says knows every hair on our head, who loves us so much, who in, in Psalms says when we lay down, he's watching over us because he cares so much about every detail of our life. Jesus restored us. And then we read in Hebrews chapter 10 that now Jesus is our high priest. He's in heaven interceding for us. He's praying for us. He's the shepherd that wants to speak to us. He's the one that says, take my yoke and learn from me and follow me. And I'll teach you the rhythms of grace. I'll, I'll teach you how to do life. You might say, well, what's this got to be talking about our message, be together? Point number one, if you take your notes, is be together in what? Celebrating Jesus. Come on, as we be together as a church, the first thing that we do is we lift up the name above every name, the name of Jesus. Because why, my friend, there is no greater name. There is no greater name on planet earth than the name of Jesus. And as we come together, no matter where it's at, yoga, we can go into a funny yoga pose and say, I love you, Jesus. You're awesome. We could be in, in, with the hiking group and hiking in creation and hiking up in these beautiful hills. And I'm just, my wife and I are just falling in love with these mountains and these hills. And we can be on a trail and just walk and say, God, creation is declaring how awesome you are. Maybe the world is too busy to notice. But as I'm hiking right now with my friends here in our hiking group, we're together. We just want to celebrate Jesus. Psalm uh, 40 verse 9 and 10 says, I, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. 
I do not seal my lips, Lord. As you know, I I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. God, I, I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. You know what this verse is saying is that when we, when we be together, when we come together, well, what should we do? We should be shouting Jesus. We should be clapping Jesus. I know Pastor Jan and Pastor DeAndre are always kind of getting on you. Hey, it's 9 o'clock. Uh, you know, it's 10.30. Why aren't you at church? Why are you 10 minutes late? It's not because, you know, they're trying to just get you on time. They're trying to get you to come to church with an expectancy and an excitement to say that we're coming together. We're coming here in our tuki. Maybe there's people that are sitting at coffee shops right now. Maybe there's people at a sports bar watching a game. Maybe these parents at these kids' games, and they're busy with all that. But here, right now in our Tuki, we're coming together to do what? To lift up the name of the King of Kings. In our Tuki, we're here to put a stake in the ground to say in our Tuki, and it doesn't matter in Chandler, if you're from Chandler, wherever, but right now we're here. We're putting a stake in the ground saying, world, we want you to know there is no greater name. Right now, there's some other churches in Phoenix that are meeting right now, doing the same thing you'd, we're doing. You know what's, what they're doing? They're celebrating Jesus. We're telling Phoenix, Jesus is alive. We're telling America, there's nobody like Jesus. Why? Because when we get together, we celebrate Jesus. No matter if it's in a small group or a great assembly, we can't be quiet about this grace. We can't be tired. We can't get silent about this righteousness that we've received, this relationship we get to have, and this God who is our high priest. We can't be silent. Be together celebrating Jesus. We continue in our passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, uh, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope or the faith that we profess. Why? For he, Jesus, who promised is faithful. Listen to this verse 24, and let us consider, let us think about, let's, let's look for ways how, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. Let's get together. Let's spur one another on. Let's celebrate this Jesus as, as some in the habit are doing. There's a falling away here in this passage. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What's this passage saying is that we got to challenge each other, spur each other on. We're to come together, to be together. We're to encourage and, and to lift up. Point number two in be together is be together as family. Be together as family. Now let me say something about family for a moment. I know my family's not perfect because I'm a part of it. So I know on the basis of that theory or that truth, that revelation, that your family's not perfect too. Don't elbow your spouse right now. Don't look at your kid. Don't think bad thoughts about your mother-in-law. But they are, no family's perfect. But neither is the church. Let me tell you something. There is no perfect church. In fact, the minute you show up, it's not perfect. There's no perfect church, but there's a perfect Savior in heaven who has redeemed us and who loves us and who makes us righteous. We're not a perfect family, but we can't care for one another. 
We're not perfect, but we can care for one another. We can encourage. We can lift up. In fact, if you go to the book of Acts, chapter 2, the start, the birth of the church, um, let's, let's look in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, and it says, uh, and they worship together regularly at the temple each day. We're just asking for Sunday for you to come on time. <laughs> We're not saying every day, just Sunday. Show on time. Come together. Let's celebrate Jesus. But they did every day. And then what did they do? On top of that, they met in small groups in homes for communion and shared their meals with great joy and thankfulness. I love that about the early churches. They got together to celebrate Jesus, but then they got together as family to partake of communion. Hey, you know, to cook some tri-tip and drink some iced tea and to high-five and encourage and pump each other up. They were just family doing life together. You might say to me today, Pastor Charlton, okay, my life, if you look at my smartphone, I hear you, I probably should get a dumb one. But if you look at my calendar, I just don't have time. Let me tell you something about time. You don't get more time. You make time. And you'll make time for what's important to you. You make margin for what you value. And so let me help you unpack why why do you need this family? Why do you need authentic community? Why do you need friends, godly friends in your life? I wanna, I wanna today do an illustration. It's a well-known passage in the Bible and if, if you're new to faith, you might not know it. And, but if you've, if you've read the Bible many times, you'll know this passage. It's found in John chapter 11. It's the story of Lazarus. And Jesus is with his disciples and he gets the news that Lazarus, his friend, is sick. And then he gets the news that Lazarus is dead and so he's like, we need to go to the family. And as he arrives, Lazarus' sister, Martha, comes running out and she says, Jesus, if you had been here on time, Lazarus would not have died. Yeah, I know you would have healed him, but he's dead. And then Mary, the other sister, the one who was very close to Jesus, comes and says, Jesus, Lazarus is dead. If you were here on time, guess what? He would be alive, but he's dead. And what does Jesus say? Take me to the tomb. And so they go to where they've buried Lazarus, and Jesus says, roll away the stone. And they're like, no, 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 no. He's dead. I mean, he's dead, dead, dead. It's four days. I mean, his body's decomposing. It's going to stink. We, we can't do that. Jesus says, roll the stone away. We'll pick it up in John 11, verse 43. The stone's being rolled away. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. <laughs> Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Wearing Amani shoes. <laughs> In verse... Let's read verse 44, the full completion of the verse. And the dead man came out and his hands and feet were bound in grave clothes and his face wrapped in a head cloth. I know theologically the picture is not accurate. It's okay, run with me. <laughs> All I could go to was Walmart, get material. But his hands and his feet were bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped with a head cloth and Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Very interesting. Yes, Carson. 
Yeah. <laughs> Great job, guys. You guys are awesome. I want to, for a moment, talk about why family is important. Jesus calls Lazarus out of the graves. We sang about that early, earlier in our worship song, one of the lines where he still calls people out of the grave. You see, Jesus' job is to, he's our savior. He's the one that restores us to relationship. He's the one that paid the price for our sins. He's the one that makes us righteous. He restores us to relationships. We become children of God. All of that is done through Jesus. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. He's the anchor for our soul. He's the promise of eternity and heaven. He's the guarantee for our salvation. That's what he does. He calls us out of the grave. But in this passage, what's very interesting is that when Lazarus came out of the tomb, he didn't come out like a Hollywood production with angels carrying him and pyrotechnics behind him and land and look at him, look at him. He's 10 years younger. He's 10, his hair is like Fabio. He looks so beautiful and amazing. His skin's glistening. Jesus could have done that. Hello, this is Jesus. He just brought a dead guy to life. I mean, Lazarus could have landed and said, when Jesus takes care of you, he hooks you up. <laughs> no, he came out in grave clothes. He was wrapped. And you know what that, what that speaks to me of is this, is that, you know what, when you give your life to Jesus, you are righteous with God, you're restored to relationship, but you still have a flesh and you still have a tendency. You're not perfect. Yes, in heaven, you're gonna have a glorified, perfect body, but here on earth, my friend, you're still gonna have some attitude sometimes. Someone's gonna, how do I know? Because I've seen you on the freeway. <laughs> I've seen you when you go through the drive-thru and it takes 10 minutes and not two. I've seen it, I know. There's some attitudes in you. But who did Jesus turn to and say, help him? Lazarus' friends. Turned to them and said, you unwrap him. Lazarus needed his family to unwrap him. You see, in life, my friend, you and I, we're in two places. We're in the place of needing to be unwrapped to be more like Jesus Oh, we're in the place where we're called to come alongside people and help unwrap them so that they can become more like Jesus. Let me ask you the question right now. Who's unwrapping you? Because there's times, I know in my life, where there's times where sometimes I'll have a little bit of an attitude and some of my, I have four friends in my life that are very quick to unwrap me. I don't like it. It's not fun. But you know what? Jesus had set him free. It sets me free to walk in everything God has for my life. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want no old grave clothes holding me back from what God has done for my life. Come on. Who's... Who's unwrapping you? Who are you doing life with? I had the honor yesterday of meeting Jim and, uh, and Mike from the board of servant leaders. We just had a time to talk about, and they were sharing about men's ministry. And I was like, man, I was like, this got me more excited because I was like, there is a band of brother spirit in this house. Because let me tell you something, men, you need, you need a man to walk with you. You need, a, you need a man that's got your back in this battle because we live in a world of temptation. We're being bombarded everywhere on the internet. We go, no matter where you go, you're bombarded by temptation and you need a brother that's gonna fight with you and say, you know what? You're going through addiction, we got hope class for you. You're going through a struggle in your marriage, we got marriage workshops for you. I was, I was so fun to talk with Mike and hear about the men's ministry and the band of brother's spirit because you know what? Brothers need brothers to unwrap them. 
I, w- I was excited Friday as uh, I met with the, s- the staff in the lobby area. We're having breakfast and I looked out and there were six ladies around a table doing Bible study together. And I said, man, there's some unwrapping going on right there. There's some people getting free. There's some people saying, I don't wanna live in a tomb. I don't want grave clothes. I wanna be the woman of God that I'm called to be. Come on, that should be our desire. I wanna walk in everything that God has done for me. But yes, the, the challenge, then you need family. You need community. You need people to help unwrap you. So be together in celebrating Jesus everywhere. In our small groups, in our classes, in yoga, hiking, on Sunday morning. Be together as family. We're not perfect, but we need each other. And we're gonna do life together. And the third point is be together in unity. Be together in unity. You know, the, one of the last prayers that Jesus prayed, it's found in John chapter 17. And Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone, talking about his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. He's prayed for his disciples and now Jesus is praying for us. Family, he's praying for us. I pray what? That all of them may be what? One. Unity, united. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that why? The world may believe that you have sent me. Sometimes I think when the church is in disunity, the world is looking and saying, I don't see Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. See, well, what does unity look like to you, Pastor Charlton? I wanna give you two things right now that unites us. Number one, the vision of Mountain Park Church. Realizing your role, my role in God's story. That's the vision that God has given this house. That, that, that is our vision. All of us have to say, well, if that's the vision statement, then the question should be, well, what is my role in God's story? And if you don't know what your role is today, I wanna challenge you to, hey, we have classes here that will help you discover your role because I wanna tell you something so amazing that Jesus saved you. Yes, there's people to unwrap you, but yes, the good news, he has a plan for your life. There's a role for you to play here in the family. Every, every family member in our home has a role and you have a role here at Mountain Park Church. Well, Pastor Charlton, I, I can't really speak or preach or I don't pray that eloquently. So prayer team, I don't know, maybe I'll go and check it out, but I feel, but I sure, could, sure can cook a mean tri-tip. The men's ministry would love to have you on their team. Well, Pastor Charlton, you know, I, 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 I have a great kitchen and I bake cakes. Well, throw, get cake and tea and do a woman's Bible study. It's the only illustration I can think of for women, okay, so don't be mad at me. But let me tell you something, ladies will come and eat that cake and, and, and there can be someone else leading the study and you're doing the word of God and you're encouraging, you're celebrating Jesus, your family and there's unity. And, but you know what, when the ladies leave, they'll say, you know what, that was, sure was some good Bible study. The journal was amazing, but man, that cake, whoo, that cake was so good. Because you have a gift of baking. It doesn't, there's something, here's what I'm trying to say to you. There's something in you. There's a role for you to play and somebody needs your role. Maybe my five-year-old daughter who's in kids ministry right now needs you to teach her the Bible. Well, pastor, you're telling me that you don't teach your daughter the Bible? No, I do. But you know what? It takes a village to raise a kid. 
And maybe you're the village my five-year-old daughter needs today. Why don't you just step in your role? There's something. See, that's unity. And the second thing with unity is our mission. Well, what's our mission statement here at Mountain Park Church? It's inviting the distracted, the disinterested to discover their role in God's story because God has a role for them too. They just don't know it. And as we get together and celebrate Jesus, as we get together and we're family, as we get together and we're united in vision and mission, and we begin to praying for, praying for them to come in to discover their role, I believe in unity. The Bible says God commands a blessing. He does something so amazing. In fact, if you go to the books of Acts chapter 2 where the church was birthed, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came, upon he came from heaven and filled the whole house that they were sitting in. You know, before God opened the heaven upon them, you know what had to happen? They had to be in unity. 120 of them had to come together as family. Had to come together and make Jesus the focus. And they had to be in one place. And when they were there in unity, what did God do? He opened the heaven. I, I can't begin to imagine what could happen here at Mountain Park Church if we came to the place of being together in unity. What could God do through us in our area, in our cities, in our high schools? What could He do at our workplace? If we just came into unity. You know, I, I believe unity has a sound. You say, well, what, is that, what does that look like? Let me, let me illustrate it to you. I want to invite the band out today. Uh, let's listen to what unity sounds like. Give it up for the band. So guys, I, I, want, you to, I want you to play me some, play me some unity. Just educate us this morning in what unity sounds like. Uh, okay, whoa, 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 time, time out. Did that sound good? Online, come on, thumbs up or thumbs down online? Thumb Sorry, guys, you're all fired. <laughs> it sounded terrible. You know why that sounded terrible? Because everybody was playing whatever they wanted to. They were doing their own thing. They were individualists. They weren't a team. They weren't one. And so it was a mess, it was chaos. It sounded terrible. I believe sometimes... Church can be like that when we come to church. Well, I like this. I don't like that. Look, there's so many things as a family. We're gonna, I don't know a family that agrees on everything. I, this, yesterday I had the time to meet with some leaders and I asked the question. I said, how many of you kind of have a Catholic background? Okay, a few of you, yeah. How many of you have a Baptist background? See, the Baptists are very quick to raise their hands. <laughs> In fact, I even got an amen, yeah, yeah. How many of you were Pentecostal background? Pentecostals are kind of shy because they don't want people to think they're weird. <laughs> but just as we did that this morning here, 
We all have different backgrounds, but we have one Savior. We are called to be one family. And if we can begin to encourage and love one another, if we can begin to discover our role and be on mission, God can do something amazing. Well, guys, I'm going to give you a second shot at this. And so let's listen to what unity really sounds like. You know why that sounded amazing? Because everybody knew their role. Everybody was in unity and sync. They were one team. Imagine what God could do if we could be together and celebrating Jesus. In everywhere, in every group, every class, hiking, yoga, it doesn't matter. We celebrate Jesus. Be together as family where we love and encourage one another. Be together in unity. Imagine what God could do through us. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Thank you for Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. My friend, I want to tell you some good news today. He loves you. He died on the cross for your sins, for your failures, for your mistakes. And all you have to do is to say, Jesus, would you forgive me? The Bible says that anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be restored to relationship, will be forgiven, will be healed, will be set free. It's just simply acknowledging that you need Jesus. You're tired of doing life by yourself. And if that's you today, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. It's every eye is closed and head is bowed. Lord Jesus, and you can quietly in your own voice pray with me if you want to, but just from your heart, Lord Jesus, today I invite you into my life. I'm not perfect, but I thank you today. You never asked me to be perfect. You just asked me to come to you. Thank you today for forgiving me of my sins. Wash my life clean as I read in Hebrews chapter 10. Thank you today for restoring me to relationship with you. I ask you to come into my life, every area, the messy parts too. Would you do a work in me? It's in your name I pray. God, I, I wanna pray for this church. God, this is an incredible church. It's not because of a building. It's because there are incredible people in this room. God, would you make us one? Help us to put our differences, our opinions, our views aside. And let us put Jesus at the forefront of everything we do. 
It's in your name we pray. Amen.